Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode 14. And we are joined this morning by Sana. Hello, Sana. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure. Thanks for, for joining us. And Sana is joining us from Brussels. Where, yes, she is, uh, where she is based at the moment. But Sana is originally from Morocco, correct? Yes, yes that's true. <laughs> okay, Sana. So tell us a little bit about, um, well, firstly, today's uh, topic of conversation is going to be about why women entrepreneurs will change the MENA region. So Sana, tell us a little bit about you and who you are, your story, and how you arrived at where you are now, which is heading up uh, an, an entrepreneurship organization for women in the region. Uh, thank you so much for the introduction. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this discussion. Uh, as you mentioned, I am uh, from Morocco, and uh, I am just someone who is interested and is passionate about uh, woman empowerment since I was five when I had discussion about with my mother about uh, things that women go through and they keep for themselves and they might carry with them for years so basically I felt like responsibility to do something about it and to kind of support women in one way or another uh, this had led me to travel to different countries Mm-hmm. Not only in the MENA region, but across the global, to more than 30 countries, where I oh, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of countries. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I kind of uh, my my travels helped me to kind of uh, understand that women from different parts of the world have uh, different challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, Challenges that might be different from parts of and to another, but when when we look at the challenges facing women in the MENA region, we can see that they have a lot of things in common, although mm-hmm. they come from different countries. Mm-hmm. And because I kind of the fact that I was I grew up in Morocco, I I understood more the challenges facing women in the MENA region, mm-hmm. and that's why I focused on women in this region. Okay. So. I worked before with different organizations uh, where I had the opportunity to cover stories of women uh, from the MENA. Uh, not necessarily female entrepreneurs, it, were, it was more about uh, women in general to kind of understand their challenges, what are uh, the issues that they suffer from. Mm-hmm. And so basically I was collecting their stories. And, and then I, I kind of... Uh, uh, sensed and I felt that to really empower women, you should guarantee their economic independence. Mm-hmm. And this is where I started focusing on stimulating the economy through women entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship. Okay. And then Womanpreneur was established and in order to kind of fulfill uh, the goal of supporting female entrepreneurs to become independent, critical, and a uh, source of uh, support for their communities. And that's why the woman entrepreneur was established in Brussels. Mm-hmm. Okay, in Brussels, which is where you're based now. So what, what work, how did you get to Brussels? So you're back home in Morocco, you're studying at the university. Uh, you said you're originally from Agadir, is that correct? 
Yes, exactly. From I did from the south. From the south, and you were studying, and then you got this opportunity to travel the globe, and you did that. And then, how did you end up where you are now in Brussels? Oh, that's gonna be very <laughs> long. You could give us. You could give us the uh, short version. <laughs> talk about it. The short well, version. Well, I, I would say this. I have been. A, I was, and I'm still. I am a gypsy. So basically, I was moving from a place to another. Okay. And uh, I, 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 I studied in Morocco. Then I moved. I was in the U.S. Then I, I moved to between uh, moving to Europe. I have been to different countries uh, where I worked as consultant or where I. Sp- I participated as a speaker in different events. Uh, And uh, then I moved to to France, where I lived uh, for a while. And uh, uh, I have been kind of engaged with with some international organizations here in Brussels. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the process of registering an organization, it's much easier in Brussels. Mm -hmm. I felt like, well, this is an opportunity to to come and live in the, the capital of Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the center uh, of of this Sana yes here I am <laughs> yes so you said you you it was easier in the center of being in the center of Europe you said yes okay yes exactly so, okay so you then started what year did you start your um, organization in Brussels uh, why or in what when? year? When did you do this? Ah, yes, in 2015. In 2015, okay. And this was after traveling all over. So you had many opportunities to travel around the world. So you have a huge uh, perspective on the globe. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to travel to different countries before establishing the organization. That's amazing. So, okay, so now you've established the organization. So, because you realized how important uh, women's economic empowerment was. So, Tell us about what the organization does exactly and how it helps women entrepreneurs in that region. Yeah. Uh, so basically what we do with Women Pruner is kind of, uh, I can put it in four different points. Okay. First of all, we develop capacities of female entrepreneurs. Okay. Then we link them to, to networks. And then we develop their personal kind of inner power and then we provide them with chances to get finance. Okay. So basically, this is the four activities or let's say uh, focal points that we do through our organization. And uh, we have different projects within the organization itself. Uh, but in an overall of all these activities, our, our kind of motto is to support women who will support other women. We are really uh, investing in that circle of empowerment where women support other women. Right. Absolutely. Now, you said something very interesting. You said um, you, you chose to focus on women's economic empowerment. And this is after yeah. traveling everywhere and you realized this was one area that women needed the most support. Why, why did you choose that? Why not education, for example, which is something that's, uh, that's um, a big area? that everyone focuses on when it comes yeah. to women. Why, why did you specifically think economics more so than anything else? Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I have been observing my environment first. 
Mm. And I have, I have been observing my mother and I have been observing my grandmother. Both mm. of them are rural women. They have mm. never been to school. Mm-hmm. And basically they know nothing about business or entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But they are good when it comes to spending money. They mm-hmm. are good when it comes to managing their families. Mm. And this is, shows enough that women are by nature capable to be entrepreneurs because they are always concerned about investing in their families comparing mm. to men. Of course, of course. And, and then again, when I traveled and when I worked with female entrepreneurs who come from different categories, from urban areas, from rural areas, all of them, they share in common one thing, that they, they know what to do when money are in their pockets. Mm. And yes. that's why I believe that economic, economic empowerment is not the only solution, but is one of the most important solutions to empower women to be independent in this region. Because if you look at our culture in this region, mm-hmm. the man is the mm-hmm. provider. Right. So everything related to kind of finances, to spending, the mm-hmm. man is the one who, the source basically. Mm-hmm. And this allows him to kind of, uh, uh, kind of enforce his authority uh, on women. Mm-hmm. Because basically at the end of the, of the day, women are dependent on the man to kind of survive. And I think this is where the formula is, is really interesting to look at because the day when, when the day the woman becomes economically independent, a man cannot kind of uh, have that authority on her. Absolutely. And you know, the reason why I ask you that question, Sana, is because I believe there's a big push for education and obviously education is important. I'm a huge advocate for education. Right now I I lecture at different universities, so I would never say education is not important, but and obviously there's different types of education. But one thing I've observed and I'm sure you've observed it as well is wherever you go in the world now, there's a big trend. Women are much more educated than men. We have much more degrees and we have, we have much more educational attainment in certain parts of the middle East. Um, in some countries, women have completely outnumbered the men. But the fact of the matter is, despite all of this education, it's still not enhancing or improving the lives of women. So it made me think, okay, we have all these engineers, we have all these scientists, women are getting all these degrees and PhDs. But in terms of uh, uh, some kind of attainment, a correlation, nothing is changing. So there's something going on. And it started, it started to make me think, well, is education really the quote unquote key to success? Is education something that's really helping women? Because ultimately women are getting all these degrees and filling these positions, but nothing is changing in terms of the infrastructure. And like you just mentioned, where the man is sort of the head of the household and he does everything and sometimes he can abuse his position of power. However, with entrepreneurship, it changes everything because the economics at the end of the day is where you find real power, so to speak. Because when you manage the money, when who manages the purse rules, right? <laughs> so you yes, find, I, what I observed is when women can manage their, make not just ma- make their own money, but you know create this wealth and manage this wealth because they're at the center of the community. They are, it's much more sustainable for everyone else because the woman will take care of the community, but it puts them in a position of power because they can affect real change. And I think that change is, is much more direct and longer impacting 
than sending a woman to school for 15 years to get a degree. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't get this degree, but the impact is much more long-term and more sustainable because when she has this business and she makes this money, in the long term, she will send 1,500 people to school. <laughs> you know, right. because That's she's right. got that power. And I observe that. So I'm really happy that you, you made, the, you know, made the, the point of saying that it's about economic power because I think sometimes... Various organizations focus so much on education, but what is all of this education? What is it really doing at the end of the day? Um, because mm. of some parts of the world, um, I think it's in Peru. Um, I, I read about Qatar. Women, in, the, in the US, women have completely outpaced men in academia, completely. Okay. But how is that translating into any kind of power? So what do you have? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. You have really summarized everything. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, that in my head about it. No, no, it's yeah. really, uh, you give me even more thoughts about it. Um, yeah. Yes, as you mentioned, I mean, for example, the Middle East has one of the highest rates when it comes to women's access to education. That of has course. to do with Qatar. Yeah, and Iran, and the, countries like Iran, you have a lot of highly educated women in in Iran that's true as, Iran as well. and Palestine as well yeah yeah so women women now in the Middle East and North Africa they're more educated than their mothers and grandmothers like uh, 50 or 60 years ago mm -hmm. so we can see that they do have access to the education and we always thought that education is the first step to have access to labor markets to have access to uh, to in the economic independence Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we, we don't see that concretely uh, in the MENA region where uh, the participation of women in the, the job market is very low. Yes, it's one of, the lowest, is, one of the lowest in the world, I believe. Exactly. It? Yes, yeah. it is one of the lowest, unfortunately. And this and is even despite all, all this education, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spite of all the education, but also spite of all the social movements led by uh, uh, the, the people of the region. And the women themselves. I mean, we have seen with the Arab Spring mm. and the social movements that came afterward, where women demonstrated and they called for their rights and they wanted the street. And, and we kind of felt, well, for a moment, everything could be possible in the MENA region, that mm. women will be treated equally, they will have equal access, they will be considered as human beings for mm. the first time. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, unfortunately, although they compromise more than 50% of the population in that region, women do not, they, they do not have uh, even the right uh, to get uh, uh, a loan from the bank mm. uh, if they don't have the permission of their father or their, or their brothers or even their sons. Mm. Uh, this is, of course, uh, extreme examples that uh, are in some parts of the region. That's not the case of every country. But the fact that we still have, in 2017, we still have this, it is really a worry. Mm. So basically, uh, the cultural and the social uh, limitation and factors uh, restrict uh, women's participation in the economy. Mm. And this is where education is important. Not only the education to get degree, but the awareness of mm -hmm. not only women, but women and men mm -hmm. all together to understand that women's participation in all sectors of life is important for the progress of the, of the, and the development of this region. Definitely. And until we do that, we will still have issues in this region.
Absolutely. And I don't want anyone listening to think again that, oh, I'm saying education is not important. I'm, I'm a lecturer. I'm a teacher. I would never say that. <laughs> I think education is yes. one of the most powerful tools anyone can have in their arsenal. But we have to look a little, uh, examine this, this thing a bit closer. And I think we have to start reframing some of these conversations that we are having around, oh, woman education, it's the key, it's the key, it's the key. Because I'm, every woman I know is highly educated. <laughs> Okay, and <laughs> they still, you know, and they still can't find jobs, and they're still working in jobs true. where the career is going nowhere, and they still can't yeah. make choices about their livelihood. So it's much deeper than just going out there and 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 saying to women, um, get all of these degrees. It's 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 infrastructural change, it's societal change, it's things that have to happen at a much deeper level, and I think. Like again, you know, who rules the purse rules the world. And when, when like your mother and grandmother, you said are rural women, they don't have, they never had access to education, but they understand money, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and your mother, and they know how to make money and they know what to do with money. And I think uh, this is so crucial. So whilst you were traveling around, and thanks for that um, explanation, once you were traveling around me now, all the different countries mm-hmm. that you went to, um, what were some of the common themes that you that you found there amongst the women entrepreneurs? Uh, yeah, when it was it was very interesting kind of journey when I was traveling to different countries uh, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that led me to kind of understand that we in that region as women we do have a lot of issues that are in common. Mm-hmm. But we do have our kind of different uh, realities at the same time, although we come from uh, the same region. Mm-hmm. When it comes to female entrepreneurs, they all have been expressing their frustration that they're still not being considered as target groups for development of their countries. Mm. They are still lacking the opportunities and the services and the trainings and the facilities needed for them to take their businesses to the next. Right. Okay, yeah. Okay, and the other thing is that uh, we, in the region, women do not have access to technology. And mm. today, when you are running a business, using technology is very, it's, it's the essential kind of tool to improve your efficiency and also your productivity. And the other issue that we do have in the region, which I think it is very critical and very important, is the absence of women and decision-making process when it comes to uh, providing access, equal access to women in the economic market. As long as women are absent from the the decision-making process, uh, who's going to come up with agendas and policies that support their rights? Mm. And the other thing is, uh, and this is something uh, we have noticed uh, with the woman pruner, we have our candidates who are uh, establishing their businesses and uh, they are really kind of advancing in that sense. But then they have the issue of um, 
having a lo local and national assistant to kind of market, uh, do marketing for their product. So mm -hmm. that's an issue that they have and it cannot be, it cannot be fixed if the country itself, if the government itself is not really investing on that. Mm. And this is a huge challenge though, because you're, what you're saying is what we, like what we said before, the infrastructure isn't there to support the women. So you're, you're really filling a huge gap in that your organization is saying, okay, we're going to seek ways to, to support women to get their businesses off the ground. I know something you mentioned, um, I think, uh, earlier was that or outside of the conversation was that sometimes women are entrepreneurs but they don't realize it can you tell yes. us what you mean by that because I, I think I, I understand what you mean <laughs> but um, yeah uh, yes uh, so basically uh, there are many women out there who are entrepreneurs and they don't know that they are entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. maybe I can start with a very uh, personal example is my mother mm -hmm. who kind of has always been engaged in kind of uh, social entrepreneurship initiatives, very small kind of social initiatives, where she was kind of uh, having an income for herself. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, she was helping other women. Mm -hmm. But my mother never considered herself as a businesswoman or entrepreneur. She never kind of even thought about it. She doesn't even understand what it is to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, some, this is a big loss because... Many women, they are entrepreneurs, but they don't know. And mm. on the other hand, there are many women who, because of all the limitations, all the restrictions, all the, the, the challenges, they choose the black market as mm -hmm. a way yes. to gain some money. Yeah. And, uh, and this is something I have noticed in most of the MENA region, specifically in Egypt, for example, in Tunisia, in Morocco. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in an, uh, on a trip in, in Morocco, uh, in the north of Morocco, where I was given a workshop on how to uh, speak for your rights. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, it happened that I was in Tituan, which is in the north of Morocco, and I met uh, uh, a very interesting lady who uh, goes every morning uh, to uh, Septemilia, these two cities uh, in the borders, uh, who, which are under the Spanish control, kind okay. of. And they go there to get and to buy contraband. Uh, mm. And then they would sell it uh, in the Moroccan territory. So basically, it's all illegal kind of process. And I had discussion with one of those ladies, and I told her, why are you choosing this road when mm -hmm. you can basically get a job in more respectful job without all these challenges. One day you might end up in jail because of it and so on. And she said, I have tried everything. Nothing mm -hmm. worked out. And basically this is the only way I can live and make sure that my children survive. So basically this shows that uh, there, is a lot of, there are a lot of efforts that should be done to really invest in these women because they do make a, a very significant participation in the progress of the countries. But as long as we do not invest in them, we are losing. Right. So you think this lack of investment in women is, is one of the reasons why women are not claiming this title and saying, I am an entrepreneur. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Yes, exactly. But also the fact that we're talking here in a region where uh, 
we still have many kind of uneducated rural women mm-hmm. who basically do not understand the jargon of being an entrepreneur. Mm. So maybe the young generation is different because now women have more kind of, uh, uh, have more access to education and so on. So basically they understand all of this. But when you're talking to a target group from rural areas where mm. most of them are not educated, basically they do not understand what entrepreneurship entitles. So basically it is important that we have uh, services that take them through the process to understand their participation and their basic rights yeah. and their involvement in the development of their countries and their communities. Right. Something I, I, I observed myself is even in, in some of the richer parts of the world in the West, women, a lot of women still don't want to claim the term entrepreneur or entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur. Um, I've often heard women say, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. That's, that's not me. That's not who I am. And I say, why? Yeah. And they say, well, oh, you know, entrepreneur is Richard Branson. <laughs> or they, they start mm-hmm. rattling off these names of, of very well um, well-known and well-established entrepreneurs or Elon Musk. And I say, but you're an entrepreneur too, right? And they say, no, I'm not. I'm not an entrepreneur. I just own a little business. So I'm a small business owner. And, and this is in wealthy countries where people have access to resources and information and, and, and everything. But it just goes to show that the challenges are different in different parts of the world. Because even in the rich West, you still have women not wanting to claim that title, whether that's because they feel disempowered, like, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur like so-and-so or whether it's a humility thing and women don't want to put themselves out there or whatever it is. But there's still, um, I think a lot of women still don't feel comfortable with, with that title um, for, various, for various reasons. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, what do you think? Do you think more women should start to claim that, that term and say, I am an entrepreneur, this is what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating uh, wealth for different people. I'm creating jobs. I'm changing lives. Or do you think it doesn't, it's just a title and it doesn't matter? Okay. This is a very interesting thing. And the way I look at it, I don't look at it as the fact just because, because a woman is uh, running a business doesn't make her entrepreneur. Mm, because okay. when, when we talk about entrepreneur, basically it's someone who's running a business and through the business, the, uh, the person is tackling the social change and mm-hmm. it's providing social solutions. Right. So basically, not all biz- women, business women are entrepreneurs. There are some of them who are running businesses just to make profit. So yeah. that in itself doesn't make the person social entrepreneur. Mm. It makes yes. the person like uh, a businesswoman. That's it. But when we are talking about someone who is helping other women through their businesses, helping other kind of, not only women, helping uh, the society through mm-hmm. their businesses, through their entrepreneurship initiative. That's someone uh, who logically you can consider as entrepreneur. But again, people are free to claim the title of social entrepreneur if they want. Right. But the activity in itself, it is part of social entrepreneurship. So I think also the fact that entrepreneurship uh, and because of all the stereotypes and all of that unclear image about it has made women hesitate to call themselves entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very, very yeah. that's a very good point. And uh, I, I think you've made a very good distinction between being a social entrepreneur and an entrepreneur who's just purely driven by profit. 
Yeah. So in, in the organization that you're running, which is um, Womenpreneur, are most of your, tell us just about the profile of the women in, that you bring into it, like the cohort that you bring in and what kind of businesses are, have they started, uh, etc. Okay. So a Womenpreneur is a not-for-profit organization. Okay. Uh, and basically, we have different projects. Uh, the most important, let's say, not the, all of them are important, uh, but uh, the project that we started uh, with when we established the organization mm-hmm. is the Professional Entrepreneur Program, uh, where we select female entrepreneurs from different parts of the, of the region. Basically, every year we select 10 women. Okay. And Mm-hmm. who come from different countries. We try to avoid a kind of a situation where we select three women who come from the same country. Of course. Because our objective is, is what? Is first of all to kind of gather different women who have different experiences, who, have, who come from different cultures, who come from different countries, to create a diverse group. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, to gather all these women who come from different countries, mm-hmm. who will impact many women in their countries. And this makes our efforts kind of reaching women from different backgrounds. And yeah. we do that through these 10 women. So basically our criteria of selection is uh, basically women, uh, this business woman should be, the, and they need to be social entrepreneurs. We are really focusing on women who are contributing to their societies. Okay. So they need to have a social entrepreneur project or a business running from at least one year to three years who work from different, any field area. There is no kind of restriction in that sense. Uh, no, we don't have any age limit. So basically women from different kind of uh, range of ages are welcome to apply. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing is that we select women who are willing to involve other women mm-hmm. and who are willing to generate social impact in their societies and their communities. Absolutely. And who are motivated enough to not only develop their skills to make profit, but also they are uh, concerned about the change needed to, uh, to grow in the business field. And they are interested enough to voice their rights for policy kind of uh, implementation that will foster women participation. Wow. So this is the kind of profile that we do have. Okay. And can you tell us maybe about one, one or two of the women that uh, just to give us an example uh, of their business and where they're from? You don't have to mention their yes. name, but just a little bit about the business they're building. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we do have amazing candidates in the I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, so basically, by naming two doesn't mean that the others are not important. No, not at all. But just for the sake yeah. of time. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Yes. So uh, I will mention uh, Maisun. Uh, Maisun, who is uh, from Jordan, mm-hmm. she is a talented and excellent photographer and filmmaker. And she uh, established her own business called Felak where she provides a space for females who work in the field of art and media to come and kind of produce and innovate in isolated place 
and make their kind of uh, product reach in the Jordanian market. She's by there, by that, helping to kind of support and empowering women in this business area, which is really, I mean, to work in art and media in the region is something very difficult. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not an easy field to really uh, work on. So she's doing an amazing job and she's doing really great work. Um, the other candidate is Azza. Azza is from Egypt. Mm-hmm. She uh, works, I mean, she works in the field of glass art. Oh, wow. And she, yes, she has very interesting kind of uh, uh, story behind her establishing this business. She has been facing different cultural and social challenges, uh, which, which, I mean, for any other person, uh, those challenges would stop, uh, would stop them from doing any business. But she didn't give up and she kept uh, her motivation on and she, uh, she's still fighting in order to make uh, her own way as a, a social entrepreneur. And uh, today with the, the help of Womanpreneur and our uh, mentor who's helping her, she's now, uh, she's, she's going to reach the, the, the British market actually by exporting her product to the UK. So Excellent. this is two examples that are very dear to my heart as much as all our candidates who are doing an amazing job and I'm just so fortunate enough to work with such a group. Wow, yes, it does, it does sound amazing. So what role do you play in the organization? Obviously, you're the founder, you started it, but what role do you play day-to-day in the organization? Uh, day-to-day, I'm playing uh, the role of ex- executive director. Okay. Yeah, basically. Okay, executive director. So where do you see, where would you like your organization to go? Where do you see it, say, like five years from now? Uh, and, and how do you see it evolving over time to, um, to support the women uh, that you're serving in that region? Yeah, from, from now to five years, uh, the goal will be always the same, is to really support female entrepreneurs um, in that region. Uh, I do really uh, imagine and kind of have that vision where our organization will be able to kind of provide uh, more concrete finances uh, to women in that region. Uh, because supporting them through uh, training, uh, skills, development, uh, capacities building is good, but not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing a kind of uh, financial support. And uh, I do hope that Women Proner will be uh, that source where women from that region, they can always refer to when they have any challenge. Right, right. Now, going back to the topic of how women entrepreneurs will change the region. So tell us, how, how will they change the region? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I think about how women will change the, 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 the MENA region, uh, basically, uh, when you look at a region where women compromise more than 50% of, of the population, I mean, the answer is so easy. Mm. Definitely, I mean... Uh, investing in the development of the region requires the inv- investing in women in this region uh, because their economic independence and their equal access to the market 
is not only a smart economic kind of uh, option or policy to do, but is a human right. Mm. And when I'm talking about human rights, I'm talking about women's rights as well. Mm. So basically, uh, the days uh, are gone when women in the Middle East and North Africa remained confined within four walls of their homes. Uh, and their immense strength and potential uh, remains kind of unexploited and unrecognized. These days are gone and should, should be uh, gone because if we really want to advance in this region, we need to rethink the way we invest in women. And, and you know, with all the challenges that we have, with all the issues that are kind of... Uh, very visible in that region. I don't understand uh, the government that they do not see, the governments that don't see in women empowerment, a smart and important and crucial way to go further. Hmm. But would you say it's because many of the governments are in, there's so much conflict. So um, perhaps women aren't, uh, women aren't seen as the most important thing to focus on uh, right now because so, quite a few of the governments in the region are in conflict with, with each other or there is internal strife yeah. or what have you? Or do you think that's just another excuse for, what, for not supporting women to, to really um, contribute to their, their, their countries? Yeah. In, in this region, uh, the way I see it is that we always try to kind of find what is the weak member of the society. Mm. And when we look, when we find that weak member, we kind of try our best to suppress that member which we kind of see as weak. And that's women and children. Mm -hmm. And because the society in itself is so unequal, mm -hmm. is so unjust, that you are living in a system where the government suppress you and then men suppress their women mm -hmm. and the women suppress their children. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a kind of system that has been f fed by culture, by uh, social kind of uh, attitudes, uh, by personal even uh, kind of way of seeing life. And mm -hmm. it has been that way in, 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 and people didn't really question it and work on it on the causes behind it and kind of has been uh, sustained not only by men but also by women themselves because mm. when a woman sees or say that women are weak oh yes this already oh, is yes. in itself a failure and oh, yes. uh, it gives you an insight how difficult the job is there. Yeah, yeah. Because women, women internalize uh, misogyny as, as well. Yes, exactly. So we, exactly. We, we on our own perpetuate this belief of weakness. So it's, it's, it's a bit difficult when you've got it coming from women and from men. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and I've, I've met many women who really, uh, the way they see themselves and the way they are, see uh, the kind of the way society treats women and it's okay for them you know it's really okay for them that makes makes me really feel sad yes. you know it's it's that's that's the biggest challenge is when you yourself sustain such a such a system mm. and that's just 
difficult kind of uh, thing. But that shows that how how complicated it is in the region to kind mm-hmm. of empower them. It's not really an easy task. It's very, very difficult. It's very complicated. Yeah, but I also want to focus on uh, the positives and the success because I was reading and the IFC, International Finance Corporation, they have a report on MENA women entrepreneurs. And listen, this, these are some of the stats. It says here, women business owners surveyed in MENA are well ahead of their counterparts in Western Europe and North America with respect to the size of their firms. And many report substantial levels of revenue. So it says in terms of revenue levels, when compared to the United States dollar um, in Jordan and in UAE, many of the women surveyed, are their enterprises are generating more than 100,000 per year. Um, this is highly favorable when compared to women in, in the US. It also said that um, a majority of the women surveyed in Bahrain and Tunisia are sole owners of their mm-hmm. firms at 59 and 55% mm-hmm. respectively. And this compares mm-hmm. with 40% sole owners in Jordan, the United Arab Emirates, and 41% in Lebanon. So despite mm-hmm. all of the things happening in politically, economically, socially, women are still thriving and they're doing very mm-hmm. well when compared to women in other parts of the world, sometimes even better. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of positive, of positive um, uh, things coming out of, of this region in terms of women building businesses. Mm. Yeah. I definitely recognize that women cannot in this region cannot be categorized altogether as one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, uh, exactly like our culture, our uh, women are kind of facing different realities, although they come from the same environment, and they have kind of uh, different uh, uh, success stories and failure stories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, That has to do with also social class. Uh, But when it comes to statistics, you know, it is is always uh, kind of uh, easy to manipulate information and to kind of manipulate statistics to give Mm -hmm. an an over-image of something that might not be always true. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, this uh, kind of cases of successful women, which I believe are true. How many of women have succeeded? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. Where they come from? What are their statue? Are we talking here about the invisible women from rural areas? Who mm. compromise huge uh, kind of numbers of different parts of the region? When you're giving example, we're giving example of the Gulf countries. This mm-hmm. this region, which is already kind of rich. Oh yes, but absolutely. Going to cons- yes, and if you're going to consider a woman who is working in her father law firm or company or uh, a business kind of initiative, and you consider it as as the creation of that woman, that's wrong because it has been there before the woman kind of lead it. And she was so enabled they, through the man in her family as exactly, well. Exactly. Right. right, right. But it is in itself, it's good that to see at least a woman running business, although mm-hmm. it was kind of established by a man. But when it comes to the statistics, it's not always clear. It's always mm. kind of misleading. Mm-hmm. So to say that women outnumber uh, kind of women in the West, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe 
the, the, the few cases and example given in those statistics mm-hmm. do not kind of compare uh, a whole woman in that region of to course. a whole woman in the West. So of that's course. where I have a little bit kind of uh, issues Res- and reservations. Always- yeah. Yes. yes. But definitely I, I recognize the fact that there are very many successful women entrepreneurs in the region that I have met, that I have interviewed, that I have, I, I'm, I'm so lucky that I know, but at the same time, I know that there are many women who are entrepreneurs, but they're not recognized in that region and they Absolutely. face a lot of challenges. Absolutely. And I think what you're saying is, is absolutely correct. And because um, these are stats coming out of the IFC World Bank and we don't know the sample, yeah. what they've used. And, you know, Middle East, North yes. Africa, it's such a big region. It's so it's so varied. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like what you're saying, it's very nuanced. So we have to look at all the different aspects that go into a woman starting and running a business. And, um, you know, the Gulf states, like you said, are very wealthy versus maybe certain parts of North Africa and, 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 and elsewhere. So you're right. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot happening. So when you, even when we read these stats and these reports, we have to read them with a bit of a, uh, a critical eye and appreciate that although things are good for, for some, there's still a lot of challenges Mm -hmm. that women are facing. So, um, yes. So now Sana, what our community Secret Birds, what we do is we, um, we focus on women in, in the pre-startup and startup phase of business. So the women who just have the idea or the women who've literally just started. So what advice do you have for these women based on your experience of building a business? Any, any advice? It could be based on uh, your journey of starting your business, being focused on, on women. Um, what, what can you share based on your journey outside of what you've already told us? Um, maybe specifically for women who want to um, become social entrepreneurs, who want to create a, a highly impactful business. Maybe they want to serve women mainly. What what kind of advice would you would you share with them? Would you like to share with them? Yeah, I would definitely. First of all, I would definitely advise any woman who wants to be a social entrepreneur to mm-hmm. make sure that she is going to integrate this field area because she wants to contribute not only to her finance uh, to her economic independence but also to contribute to society mm-hmm. i don't like when people are using the title of social entrepreneur for their own benefit for their own personal kind of objectives mm-hmm. because that's hard to cause in itself so basically you have to make a clear distinction being mm-hmm. between being a businesswoman and between being a social entrepreneur Mm. to make sure that you have this distinction in your mind. Mm-hmm. The second thing I would advise is to really have a focus, mm-hmm. to be focused. What do you want to do? What is, what, what is your kind of focus product or service that you want to do? It should be very focused. If it's a very vague, uh, there, there is like high chances that we will not succeed. Mm. So basically you have to be very focused on what you're doing. This, and the third thing I would advise is to really, uh, before uh, launching your kind of initiative, make sure that you go through all the possible process of facilities. Ask questions, go to institutions, go to organizations, uh, go through and do some trainings before. Have really uh, understanding on how to develop a business. It is very important. You cannot develop a business if you don't know how to write 
at least a business plan, for example. Mm. You have to go through this and you have to understand it. And then once you, you kind of develop your skills in that, then you have to see which channel you have to use that will make your business successful. Yeah. And my last advice, mm-hmm. and I always say this, like not only in business, but in everything in life, you always start with baby steps. Absolutely. Don't aim it, don't aim it big uh, in the first year. I mean, for a social entrepreneurship project to be, or a business or initiative to be successful, it will take you at least four years before you earn money out of it. Oh, so, goodness, yeah. It takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a long time, yes. Yes, yes. So definitely uh, baby steps would, uh, would be good as a start. Right. And your dis- what is your distinction then between a businesswoman and a mm-hmm. social entrepreneur? Uh, for me, a businesswoman is uh, someone who's going to establish a business for the sake of making profit. Mm. And when we're talking about social entrepreneur, we're mm. talking about someone who's going to make profit, but at the same time, will tackle a social change in the community. So this is two different things. Mm. Although making profit is something in common, but the way they do it and the objective behind it is something different. It's something very different. Yes, and uh, it is very personal when people chose the road of being business, business people or uh, social entrepreneurs. So this is different roads, which it's a decision, and they think that's a personal decision. Definitely, definitely. But this was a really, really, really good conversation. <laughs> I enjoyed speaking okay. with you, Sana, and I, um, I think we all learned um, a lot from, talking, from just talking with you today and tell everyone how old you are because I don't think you're very accomplished and I don't think people realize you are a young woman so how old are you okay thank you uh, for that. Uh, well I am 24 years old yeah you're 24 years old and you've traveled to over 30 odd countries you've started a business and you're only at the beginning so I know there's so much more in store for you and uh, I look forward to seeing how your business evolves and all the other interesting things you get up to Thank you so much. I, since I was kind of young, I've, uh, I've always kind of seen uh, injustice situations towards women, which I mm. think are familiar to you and to me. Oh, and yeah. Since I was, I was six, I realized that the struggle for equality will mark my life. And from that day, extends the long path that has led me to what I do today. Wow, that's very powerful. And it's, it's powerful how that kind of seed was planted in you at a very young age. So now it's, it's being allowed to germinate and a lot of things are coming out. So it's good to, um, to be able to have that kind of focus at such a young age. It's very inspiring, I think. Thank you so much. That's and really... it's, yeah, it's, and I hope someone listening to um, our discussion today, well, I'm, I'm certain, was inspired or empowered or encouraged by something that you said. And they will realize that it's, it's not about age. It's just about your, your drive, your passion, your potential. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously you took something that was very important to you and you, you use that to, to create, to manifest change around you. So that's amazing. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, lovely birds. So that uh, concludes today's podcast with Sana. Again, Sana, thank you so much for, for joining us from Brussels. And thank you for thank you so all much. 
Yes, a pleasure. And um, again, look forward to following you and your journey. So thank you thank so you much. So much. Thank you so much.